Welcome, and thank you for joining us for Simple Truths, the podcast of Bible Baptist Church of Wilmington, Ohio. Today, we will dive into God's Word to seek simple truths for everyday life. Let's join Pastor Josh Dixon for today's Simple Truth. Turn your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, in your scriptures this evening, Isaiah chapter 6. Let's stand together for the reading of his word this evening, beginning in verse 8, if you'd follow along. Verse 8 says, also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. And he said, go and tell this people, hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat and make their ears heavy. Shut their eyes, lest they see with their, ear, their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. And the Lord uh, have removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. Verse 13, but yet in it shall be a tenth. And it shall return and shall be eaten as a teal tree and as an oak whose substance is in them. When they cast their leaves so, the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. Thank you so much. You may be seated this evening. Thank you for giving honor and respect to the word of God. We began last Sunday a series that is helping us to remember or is helping us to realize who and what God is doing uh, right here in, in his house. We likened this series, or we likened this text, this message uh, uh, focus, we likened it to a spiritual pinch in the arm to make sure that we, we were awake, to make sure that we were alert, make sure that we were paying attention to all that is going on around us in the way of spiritual things. I said last Sunday, and I'll certainly say it this evening, this is one of my favorite portions of Scripture in the entire a Bible. It's one of great power, isn't it? It's one of great sincerity and, and intimacy that you, that you will certainly uh, find in its reading. And we're kind of taking it in sections. We're certainly not uh, trying to tackle all 13 verses at once. But I think that if you look close enough, uh, a better way to say that, I believe if you look close enough, you will find yourself in this, in this text. It's a, it's a portion of scripture that has great, great power. And remember, we rehearsed the fact that this text is a vision. Anybody remember that? It's a vision that God allowed Isaiah to see that would forever change him. And making application to that, looking for ourselves in this text, uh, it, it, we can easily liken to that because this is a place that has changed us. Speaking of the Lord's house, would somebody testify to that? This vision changed him. God has, has used this church to change us. This vision taught him to worship. Not every prophet, you remember this phrase? Not every prophet was given the opportunity to see God as Isaiah saw God. High and lifted up, the text says. The vision gave him purpose. Last week we saw the inside, that was our title, of worship, the preparation of Isaiah's heart and his relationship with God. This evening we will see the outside of worship. 
what this place, God's house, does for us when we're, when we're not even here, when we're physically not here. What does this place provide or what does this place do for us? Let me ask you this evening, did you know that the church never closes? Did you know that to be true? Well, Pastor Josh, that's not true. I, I've come here before in the night and the lights are out and the doors are locked. Good. That means somebody's doing their job, huh? We're not talking about this physical facility. We are the church. Got to say amen to that. We are the church. And so wherever we are, the church is always open. Wherever you go, listen, tomorrow morning, on a Monday morning, when you go to your place of work, when you go to your place of employment, when you go to school, when you, wherever you are physically, tonight or tomorrow or Tuesday, listen, that is where you'll find Bible Baptist Church. It is alive and well. Just like Isaiah, we come here to experience God. We come here to humble ourselves, to, to evaluate change in our life. We talked about that this morning, didn't we? We come here to yield ourselves in obedience. We come here to give him thanks, to give him praise. We come here to make decisions. But then we leave here to go be the church, to represent Christ in a lost and dying world. The world needs us. You ought to say amen to this. The world needs us to be the church in here, but most importantly, be the church out there. God used this vision so that Isaiah had a platform to proclaim God's goodness. This church is nothing more than a platform for you to do the very same thing, to proclaim God's goodness. Let's learn from Isaiah, number one this evening, that God calls the worshiper to witness. God calls the worshiper to witness. God asks a question to help Isaiah see the, the need for servanthood. Let me say that to you this evening. We are not, and I've heard this word thrown around, and I understand what, you're, what you might be saying with this word, but we are not volunteers in the Lord's army. We are servants. We are servants. Our Christian service is not an option. It's not an optional activity. Look at verse 8, if you would, please, of chapter 6. Verse 8, our opening verse that we read together just a moment ago. It says, also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Within the question, we see divine opportunity. Who will go for us, the Lord asks. I would put emphasis on that, that word of us. It's a, it's a reference, isn't it? It's a reference to the Trinity. It's the same thing that is seen in Genesis. Let's turn over there. Hold your place in Isaiah. Now let's go to Genesis chapter 1, please. To the very beginning, the opening moments of creation itself. Genesis chapter 1, look at verse uh, 26, please. Chapter 1, verse 26, and God said, let, say the next word out loud, us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Notice what he says, and, let, and God said, let us make man in our image 
It's a reference to the Trinity, the, the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The one that made man is asking man, all the way over here in Isaiah chapter 6, the one that created man is now asking man to get involved. And I would say that to you this evening, believer. He is asking and seeking for you to, to get involved in his work. I believe that these two scriptures can be tied in a bow. They can be related very closely together, meaning that God made us to fulfill his, keyword, his purpose through a personal relationship. Your life is about his purpose. You ought to testify to that. That's the best way to live. Fulfilling his purpose in your life. If you have Genesis 1 open, you can close it. And let's go to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Fulfilling his purpose within your life. Chapter 2, verse 10, the book of Ephesians, it says this, For we are his, say that next word out loud, workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. If you're saved again, please say amen this evening. You are his, God's workmanship. You are his work, his project. Our duty is to fulfill his purpose within our life. Within the question that we find in Isaiah chapter 6, we see individual availability. Notice within verse 8 that Isaiah was close enough. Have you ever thought about this? He was close enough in proximity to hear the Lord calling him. It says in verse 8, I heard the voice of the Lord. Let that sink in for just a moment. He heard God speaking and knew he had enough sense about him to know that God was speaking to him. Have you heard the, the voice of the Lord? Now, I can stand before you this evening and say that I've never heard his audible voice, but the Lord has spoken to me many times. Somebody want to testify to that? He said, I heard the voice of the Lord. He recognized that God was, God was speaking. It's every believer's responsibility to serve and be used of God, but not every believer is listening for the call. Some of us need to recognize this evening that God is calling. He's calling for you. Now listen, on a Sunday evening, if you're here and you're not saved, he's calling for you to be saved. He wants you to know him. He wants a personal relationship with you. Some of you he's calling upon because you've been saved, but you've not been baptized. He's calling you to a place of absolute obedience in your life. He's calling you to follow him. Some of you, he's calling you to church membership so that you can do all of the things that we've discussed thus far. You can be involved in, in real, true ministry. Some of you this evening, he's calling upon you for other uh, pieces and parts of your relationship with him. He's convicting you about sin. He's calling upon you for repentance. He's calling for you to change your thought processes. He's calling for you to change your habits and let go and break some of the habits that you have in your life that are linked to your flesh. He's calling on you for all kinds of reasons. Listen, I know this to be true. If he's calling, you know. 
and you need to answer. I heard the voice of the Lord. Remember the initial calling of the disciples. They were in earshot of the Lord's voice. And they responded, didn't they? Let's go over to Matthew chapter 4. Hold your place in Isaiah. Now we're going to the gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 4, please. Matthew chapter 4. Let's just remind ourselves of this text in verse 18. You know this text very well. Verse 18 of chapter Chapter 4 says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them in verse 19, Follow me, that's red letters, isn't it? And I will make you fishers of men. In verse 20, And they straightway left their nets, and what? Followed him. They were in earshot of the Lord. They recognized that he was specifically talking to them. They recognized that he was calling them. He called them, as the text says, to be fishers of men. Now, they knew something about fishing. It was their occupation. They knew that fishing required effort. They knew that it required work. They knew that that it would require long hours. They knew that it would require an investment. And so when he called them to be fishers of men, he was speaking their language. They understood that the same investment, the same long hours, the same sweat equity would be required in following him. Somebody ought to say amen to that. They were accepting the call, the call to work, the call to serve. God is calling some of us this evening. Do you hear his voice? He's calling for salvation. He's calling for obedience. He's calling for membership. He's calling for commitment. He's calling for opportunity. Isaiah very promptly, very respectfully answered. In verse 8, then said I, here am I. Send me. H.C. Leopold, a theologian, commented on verse 8. And he says this about verse 8, quote, After the vision, Isaiah is no longer the man he was. What a statement. He has undergone a radical change of insight and attitude. Being absolved and having the burden of guilt taken from off his conscience. We saw that last week. He possesses a new freedom and a new compelling insights that make him an instrument far more fit for service than he could have been otherwise. End quote. What a truth. He was fit for the call, wasn't he? After all that God had done, it would be rude. It would be disrespectful and not to mention wasteful for him not to answer. He had to answer. As your shepherd, let me take a a moment to cast some needed vision before you this evening. God is doing all that he is doing to propel you into a place of great purpose. 
Let me say that just a touch differently. To propel us as a body of believers, a family of God. I'm thankful for a family of God, aren't you? He's doing all that he's doing around us. And that's one of those pinch pinch your arm moments, spiritually speaking. Wake up and be alert about what is going on around us in our church. He's doing all of this to propel us to a place of greater purpose. We rejoice at his blessing, but the blessing comes with greater burden. You ought to testify to that. Jesus said in John chapter 4, verse 35, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Let's go to work. Learn something new and something fresh about God. I would encourage you and challenge you with this. Filling this room. Filling your row. On a Sunday morning, recognizing how many in you, Listen, we're creatures of habit, aren't we? Looking down your row on a Sunday morning and seeing how many chairs it would take, how many empty spots it would take to fill that up. And pray that God would give you a connection. If it's five or four seats in your row that you need to fill, then pray that God would give you four or five connections with people that you could encourage them to come and fill your row. I challenge you with that. A church that is alive is one that is answering the question with here am I. Rather than, hey, there's Tom. There's Raj. There's Jimmy. No, here am I, God. What's my role? What can I do? Number two, God commands the worshiper to declare his truth. When you answer the call of God, he in return answers. Verse 9 tells us, and he said, go and tell this people. The culture is not yours to pick. We are just called to go regardless of the culture. Verse 9 says, hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Meaning, they are here, they, um, they are here, Uh, ready for a message, and you need to respond and bring them the message. Our mission is not based upon worldly success. Please say amen to that. You and I cannot make anything spiritual happen. We just have the responsibility for what we can control. And what we can control is doing the work. We're trusting God to, to do the spiritual work, aren't we? You're responsible for your salvation and your service and your continued obedience. What your spiritual brother, your spiritual sister, or the unsaved do is between them and the Lord. Somebody ought to say amen to that. God was teaching Isaiah about relevance. The thing that was most important or relevant was the platform. Listen to this. The platform of today. We don't get to pick the season. We just get to live for God in the season. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, to everything there is a, you know the next word? Season. And a time to every purpose under the heaven. We don't get to pick the season. We just get to live in the season. Nor do we pick the harvest of that season. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7, So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, 
but God that giveth the increase. What's he saying? It doesn't matter who plants. Now, it's important that somebody plants. But it doesn't matter if it's me, but somebody's got a plant. Now, it doesn't matter who waters. Now, it needs water. Amen? It doesn't matter who waters. It's just important that someone waters. But this is a guarantee. There's only one that's going to provide the harvest, and that's God. He determines the harvest. Our message is more relevant than ever before. Truth does not change. It remains, doesn't it? Somebody ought to tell the world that. We don't get the choice of changing what truth is. Truth is truth no matter what. Somebody ought to say amen to that. The text tells us that some will perceive not. Verse 9 says, but others are, excuse me, that's what verse 9 says. Verse 13 says, but others, yet it shall be a tenth, is what verse 13 says. And it shall return. Because of Israel's disobedience, let me explain the meaning of this. Because of Israel, Israel's disobedience, they will be taken into Babylonian captivity. You know that, don't you? From the Old Testament. For 70 years. And that's the setting of the book of Daniel, if you're wondering. It is the ruin of many. But there is a tenth. God promises that, doesn't he, in this text? There is a tenth of the people that will return. They will remain. They will respond to God's faithfulness. I was reading one of those candidate comparisons. Anybody look at those? Just kind of refreshing my understanding and in memory of who the, the candidates are or were. The issues on that comparison, one of the issues or a couple of the issues, read, quote, allowing biological males to compete in women's sports, end quote. We're really looking for a proper response on that issue? Let me ask that differently. That's an issue? Another one was public schools teaching that homosexuality is an acceptable, healthy lifestyle. These are the issues. Hey, how about a spiritual pinch on that one? Because they are the issues of our current culture and day. What would our forefathers say to those things? Have you ever thought about that? We read over those things and we just kind of take that for granted because we hear all the junk on the news. We know what's going on in our schools and in our economy and, and, and in our world and the lack of leadership in all of that. Please testify to that. We hear all of that and sometimes we become so, so dull to it. Numb, that's a great word. What would our forefathers say to that and we know that this country praise God for this but we know that our country has a faith heritage you can argue with me all day on that but I believe it to be true Amen. let me ask you a better question <laughs> what would the apostle Paul say to those issues I think you know what his response would be let me ask you an even better question. What would Jesus' response be? 
to those issues. Church, we have to proclaim truth no matter the climate of the current culture. Now falls to each one of us individually. Listen, you expect me to do that. That's my job. The deacons hold me accountable to that. That is my job to proclaim absolute truth from the word of God, not my opinion, from the word of God to God's people. Amen? No matter what is going on out there. But the reality of that is that it goes even further. It goes to each and every one of us. If you're saved, please say amen. amen. It goes to each and every one of us to proclaim truth. To have a deep enough understanding of your relationship with the Lord and what he says in his word about each and every one of these issues of our current culture. Remember what we said in introduction? The church does not close. When you're in the gas station tomorrow morning getting your coffee and you overhear conversation and you're pulled into the conversation about one or all of these issues that's going on in our world today, listen, you are to proclaim truth. Be prepared to stand on the truth. Number three this evening, God challenges the worshiper to persist in the task. Isaiah asks a valuable question in verse 11. He says, Lord, how long? How long do I do this? The Lord's basic response is, is until the opportunity is over. That's what the Lord basically says to him. Until the season is over, Isaiah, that's how long. You'll know. You'll know how long when the season of opportunity ends. That's how long. Verse 11 and verse 12, he answers in, in so many words just that very way. For persistence in your service, remember whose work this is. We said this at the beginning of our time this evening. God is including us in his work. Romans chapter 8 verse 31 says this. If God be for us, who can be against us? Find joy. I would certainly challenge you with that this evening. Find joy in what you are doing for the Lord. If, you're, if you don't, you won't be effective for long. We ought to do his work with joy. Think about that. Whatever you do for God, I challenge you with that. Enjoy it. Joy overrides the less desirable moments, and there will be those moments. Joy overrides the less desirable moments and allows you to focus on the Matthew 25, 21 moments. Verse 21 of chapter 25, the gospel of Matthew says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. You see, having joy in your service to the Lord overrides or allows you to coast through those moments that are not always easy and fun. For persistence in your service, remember there's coming an end to it. This life is to have those moments of rest and renewal, but there is coming a day in which we will completely rest in the arms of Jesus. Somebody ought to say amen to that. Our work will be finished. Until then, brother, find yourself making the most of the play clock, stewarding your time properly. Running the play as God is calling it. 
The true meaning of the outside of worship is the, that the work is done out there. The call, the command, and the challenge. I ask you this evening, like Isaiah, will you accept it? Will you say to the Lord as he's calling upon you, here am I, send me. Thank you for joining us today for Simple Truths. If you would like to accept Christ as your Savior, or if you have questions, please give us a call at 937-383-1122. Or check us out on the web at bbcwilmington.org. Simple Truths is a podcast sponsored by Bible Baptist Church of Wilmington, Ohio. We hope you have a great day, and may God bless you.